Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mula po from Quezon City, January 15, 2019, this is Robbie Alampay, Puma Podcast. To start us off, listen to this. That's what vegetables being raked off a truck sounds like. The final quarter of 2018 was marked by a rice crisis, supply shortages, and record inflation in food. Now, kicking off 2019, farmers are literally throwing away vegetables in the cordilleras. Filipinos are jarred by a completely upturned and unexpected scene, too much supply, too little demand, and rock-bottom prices for produce that farmers would rather throw away than sell. What's going on? Hanjin Heavy Industries, a Philippine subsidiary of one of the world's biggest shipbuilders and one of the biggest investors in the Philippines, has applied for bankruptcy and will now be granted receivership. It is the biggest default in Philippine history, affecting at least 3,000 jobs and potentially tarnishing credit ratings of major Philippine banks. We discuss why this ship is sinking and what might be done to minimize the risk of it pulling others under. President Duterte in December enacted the Philippine HIV and AIDS Policy Act of 2018. Advocates are hailing the new law, which begs to remind there is an old law. The first law dealing with HIV-AIDS in the Philippines is in fact 20 years old now. So what's new with the new? We'll discuss what's different with the latest policy. Here's a hint. Ultimately, it's not about the disease. Have passport data of Filipinos been stolen or not? The DFA secretary says yes. His predecessors say they doubt it. But as government investigates, another issue has come to fore. Might this actually be not about passport data, but about profiteering and a rotten deal? We'll update with what we know. Yan pong headlines for today, January 15, 2019. Ako po si Robbie Alampay, Puma Podcast. That's the sound of a farmer raking carrots off the side of a truck. A truckload of carrots. Kicking off 2019, this video posted by Ronabert Lindawan has made the rounds of social media and it's not the only scene of waste that's greeted Filipinos in the new year. TV networks chronicle cabbages and radishes, giant radishes, being disposed by roadsides, turned back from markets, or just left on compost heaps. From the supply crisis and record inflation at the end of 2018, how did we come to this? 
Agriculture officials are blaming two things. The end of the holidays do typically see a fall in prices as consumption and demand drops dramatically. That's the demand side. On the supply side, however, it seems the abnormally high rainfall in December also aggravated that tendency as farmers yielded bumper crops too late for the holiday feasts and good only for a glut for buyers no longer in the markets. The once mighty Hanjin Heavy Industries and Construction Philippines is sinking. The shipbuilder, an affiliate of one of the biggest shipbuilders in the world, has been in business here for almost 15 years. Now it says it can no longer pay its debt to five major banks in the Philippines. It's worth noting the cargo shipping business in general and even mothership Hanjin in South Korea applied for receivership in 2016 and was declared bankrupt in 2017. In the Philippines, Hanjin's total loans is 412 million US dollars. That's about 21.5 billion pesos. RCBC, BPI, Land Bank, Metro Bank, and BDO all have collectibles from that pie. Let's discuss this further. Let's bring in our correspondent, Janina Magundayo. Janina, what's the latest? Robbie, the latest is that Hanjin has been placed under receivership by the Olongapo RTC a week after they applied for bankruptcy. Hanjin actually wants to be placed under corporate rehabilitation, which will prevent their creditors from selling off their assets to pay off their debt. By placing Hanjin under receivership, Hanjin's assets will be in the custody of a court-appointed receiver and not the creditors. If Hanjin is granted rehabilitation, all pending claims against them will be suspended. That should give them time to try and make ends meet without having to worry too much about creditors breathing down their neck. But what really are the options? What can Hanjin do? Well, worldwide, the shipping industry has been on the decline for years now. Freight charges have been lower these days because one, there's more competition and two, there's really just a glut in capacity. If you look at their assets versus liabilities, Hanjin is still sitting on more than enough to pay for their $412 million loan. Their current assets are worth $1.6 billion, so that's four times of what they owe. It's just that they run out of cash. They have not defaulted on their loans yet. What they've done is just tell the banks that they might not be able to pay their next tranches. Kung income ang pag-uusapan, Hanjin will still have some money flowing in soon because they're expected to deliver two tankers to their Singaporean client this quarter. By next quarter naman, Hanjin will build two more ships for the same client. So may papasok pa rin talagang pera. What do the banks say? Mm, the five banks involved do not seem to be in a rush to collect the debt. In fact, BPI President Cesar Consing acknowledges that settling the matter might take months. BSP is actually saying that the $412 million loan is negligible compared to the total loan exposure of the domestic banking industry. Even the credit rater Fitch says that the default won't shake the country's financial stability. But banks are still businesses that need to turn a profit. All five banks involved are putting up a united front, yes, to recover their money from Hanjin. But Moody's, for example, is sounding the alarm. If Hanjin indeed defaults, it will negatively affect the credit ratings of the banks involved. To be fair, banks say that they are looking at all options to recover their money, including talking to strategic investors. Trade officials say that so far, two Chinese firms have expressed interest in taking over the largest shipyard in the country. Some say that this will create a national security issue. Subic, where Hanjin's shipyard is, is a former U.S. naval base. Yes, and that's a story for another day. 
Thank you, Janina. Before President Duterte signed the Philippines HIV and AIDS Policy Act last month, we already had the Philippine AIDS Prevention and Control Act of 1998. Note the difference in wording. The old law was about, quote, prevention and control. It was crafted at the time of, frankly, fear, when people had little understanding of HIV and AIDS other than the reality then that the disease was deadly There was yet no cure, and we knew little about it. Twenty years later, much has changed. There is still much to know, but research and medicine have advanced. HIV and even AIDS no longer translate to a death sentence. Symptoms are more effectively addressed and managed, and many of the infected, helped by better, more accessible, and even more affordable programs, are now, in fact, living with HIV. For persons with HIV and AIDS, the priority now is therefore two things. First, witnessing to a story and truth of hope, spreading knowledge of the medical options available, and hopefully widening access to the same. And second, addressing and defeating the stigma and discrimination that still holds back all that we just mentioned. HIV and AIDS programs have advanced. Societal and cultural fears and biases have not. Hence, the new law. The 1998 legislation was about controlling the disease. The HIV and AIDS Policy Act of 2018 is about protecting and empowering persons living with HIV. The old law was anchored on fear. The new law as it says explicitly in its final form, is, quote, anchored on the principles of human rights on upholding human dignity. So beyond strengthening public health services and ensuring access to those who need it, the new law will ensure that people living with HIV or AIDS will not be discriminated against. You cannot be fired or rejected just because you are HIV positive, for example, precisely because science has long assured you pose no risk to anybody in the workplace. Students cannot be turned away. The HIV positive are entitled to insurance, to work, to be productive citizens like anybody else. Because 20 years after the first HIV and AIDS law, science has moved forward, medicine has moved forward, and we as a society should too. The law is moving forward. I'm saying that there was no running away of any data mm. because the data had always been with the DFA kept in the facilities of the Banco Central in Quezon City and then the backup file was also kept by the DFA in their premises in Asiana in Manila. So uh, that data had been there. It had been owned by the government under the contract. Uh, with the former contractor. That was the former DFA secretary, Perfecto Yasai, in an interview with One News, The Chiefs. Incumbent Foreign Affairs Secretary Teddy Boy Loxin always has a different way of saying things. Just follow him on Twitter, you'll know. But basically, Loxin too has walked back his own claim that the passport data was stolen by a supplier. 
Luxin now admits data is not in his word, and it is his word, not runawayable. It is instead inaccessible, although there is still some debate on that as well. But the matter of access has only now led to another issue altogether. It seems people can be assured on the question data, but focus has now remained on the entities, both public and private, controlling that data. Luxin said in one of his tweets, quote, Apo assured me yesterday they were able to access it, referring to the data. Now, Apo is a government-accredited printing company. Together with the United Graphic Expression Corporation, Apo and UJEC replaced the French company Oberture in 2015. It was Oberture that was first contracted to manage the data for machine-readable electronic passports. This was during the time of former President Gloria Macapagal Arroyo. Yasai says the passport contract was mishandled and ultimately inappropriate. He says the DFA entered into an agreement for the Banco Central ng Pilipinas to handle the passport production and to handle the data. There was no bidding because it was a government-to-government -government project. But then, the BSP subcontracted APO and APO subcontracted UJEC. Ultimately, two private companies were circumventing bidding. Yasai said he wanted to find a way out of the contract with APO and UJEC, but he did not want to stall the issuance of passports to the public. So I said, why don't we come up with a deal? I'm going to agree to the temporary implementation in full of the contract that you signed on these two conditions. One, do not charge the public 920 pesos per passport. Because if you did that, I have here all the records that show that the cost in doing this, the same MRPs, is not, is not much. Mm. How much? Your cost is something like only 350. And the contract that we had with the Banco Central for the same MREPs was for only 550. So I suggest, let's meet halfway, you charge the public at 650. In any case, this is where we are now. The controversy, it seems, is moving from a question of data and protection to an issue about a government contract inappropriately awarded and subcontracted and incidentally handling sensitive information of private citizens. We'll keep you posted. Stout. We had to deprive them of stout. Clearing the paths to the village. Finally, we end with some poetry. This is Alfred Yuson, and you can hear his voice, his poem, among others, in the Philippine poetry jukebox. That's a gift from the Czech Republic in celebration of its first hundred years of independence last November. And to extend its party to the Philippines, the Czech Embassy installed the Poetry Jukebox in Greenspine Park at the Bonifacio Global City. It's like a huge black pipe jutting from the ground. You could easily pass and pay no mind to it. You might mistake it for 
well, a huge black pipe jutting from the garden. But the Czechs remind us with this project to, as they say, stop and smell the roses. Or in this case, take time to press a button to play one of 20 poems as read out by Filipino and Czech poets. You'll hear something like this. We won't play the whole thing. We'll encourage you instead to listen to it yourself and in person. The Philippine Poetry Jukebox is at the BGC, as we said. It's at the Greenspine Park. That's the space next to Shangri-La at the fort. And that's today's edition of Puma Podcast. For the latest episodes, subscribe to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Maraming salamat po. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.